0: 7654321. Hey guys, this is Liz Candace. This is Nikki Collins. What up, guys? This is the Stark. Hey, this is Imani Media Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia. Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. Oh, welcome in, WNBA Nation. Uh, We've been kind of NCAA Women's Basketball Nation for the last little bit. Obviously, we are ramping up to WNBA draft and regular season. But in the meantime, we have some conference tournaments to go over. Uh, I am flying solo tonight. I'm your host, Logan Jones. Uh, Please keep on listening. In fact, go back and listen to our previous episodes covering uh, recently the top 25 outlook coming into this week, as well as Kyle's draft. He, he just did a two part mock draft that released over the last couple of days. So if you haven't been on your podcast app, just know that those are out there. They're both very good. Make sure you pay attention to those. Uh, also just quick show plugs. You can find everything you need to know about us at WNBA nation.com. We are also on all the social medias. Uh, uh, that's not the right way to put that, but we're on Twitter at, uh, WNBA nation pod, um, <laughs> flying solo is tough guys. Um, at WMB nation pod, is there an underscore in there? I don't know. You'll be able to find us. Um, we'll come up the gist of today's episode. Uh, just wanted to cover some of the big goings on in conference tournament weekend. Obviously the bracket is going to be coming out this Sunday, um, but we want to kind of keep you informed as to how some of those seedings are going to work out, um, what to look for. You, there's going to be some some surprise teams on there, um, especially we're going to talk a little bit in this episode about the number one seeds. Do we think they're going to be? Um, might not be what you think. So without further delay, uh, we're going to jump into what I deem to be the top story of the hour. We're, we're not going to go with the upsets just yet. Uh, I want to talk about Iowa. And the Hawkeyes taking the Big Ten, what was a, a really good and really crazy Big Ten tournament, um, with a 33-point win over Ohio State. They put the hurt on Ohio State. They were up early. They didn't let up. Caitlin Clark um, kind of having one of those years. Um, if you haven't been paying attention to her at this point, she's starting to crack the mold of what I think – Limits a, a lot of female athletes in college, um, which is that they just don't get a lot of airtime or national press or talk show credit or anything of that nature, unless you're a podcast like ours dedicated to that sort of thing. You're starting to hear Caitlin Clark's name come up a lot in the basketball community in general. And that's something that's really exciting. She's starting to kind of ascend to that. And this is college. This isn't pros, but she's kind of reached a superstar level of credit. Um, and she, it's because she shows up in the big games. She was playing a ranked Ohio state Buckeyes team in the conference final, put up a triple double 30 points, 17 assists, 10 rebounds. Uh, it's her 10th in her career. It's, it was an unreal performance. It was a Sabrina like performance. Um, it, it was just fun. She's fun to watch. She's, she's kind of managed to wrestle the spotlight away from an undefeated South Carolina team led by Leah Boston, who I still think is the best college player in the country Um, enough. So that even saying that I believe Clark has absolute claim for national player of the year. Um, That award is so much about just kind of moments. It's almost, it's the Heisman of, of college basketball, right? And it's, it's so much about moments and that moment. Um, against, both against Maryland and against Ohio State in this tournament, I feel like um, kind of secured her case as National Player of the Year. I expect that that's how it's going to play out. Um, what I don't expect is for Iowa to crack one of the tournament's number one seeds. I think it's possible, and I would even go so far as to say that I think they deserve one of them. But um, Charlie Cream, who I trust a lot, he's a ESPN writer. He's kind of ground zero for bracket predictions and things of that nature. He's got your number one seeds as your obvious South Carolina. Uh, he's got Stanford in the mix, despite what happened in the PAC 12 tournament, which we will talk about shortly. He's got Virginia tech in there, which I think is really surprising. I like Virginia tech a lot. Uh, they did come away with the ACC title, but I was surprised to see them kind of tabbed as a potential number one. Um, and now I'm going to space on the last one. Who's the last one? Indiana. Indiana is a projected number one, and I, th- I think deservedly so. They they have the resume, and I, I don't have any problem with that. They've had a really good year. But South Carolina, Indiana, Stanford, which you could issue a couple question marks to after how the last week and a half of the season has gone. And Virginia Tech, which I think is the really surprising one. Um, that means Iowa would go into, the, seed, into the, the bracket, according to the projections, as a two-seed, along with fellow two-seeds Maryland, uh, who else would be there? Utah, who uh, famously and recently beat Stanford and UConn. And we will talk about UConn in this episode as well. <laughs> so that's a heck of a top eight. Um, I think it's fair if, if you're not someone who does brackets a lot or you've, you've done the men's tournament before, but you haven't done the women's tournament and you're kind of new to the show. Just so you know, and this is a personal philosophy, but I, I feel like it's been backed up by what we've seen in recent years. It's possible for virtually any team to make an elite eight and even a final four. If if a number one seed or a number two seed gets knocked out early in a shocking upset, which happens every year because the bracket is all about chaos, single elimination is all about chaos, then a team like Toledo or Villanova, uh, Villanova is going to be a four seed. They're a pretty good team, but your your Florida Gulf Coasts and your I don't know who else is going to be in that mix. Uh, Alabama is going to be in there and Washington state is going to be in there. Those types of teams can make a final four run out of nowhere. Just if things go their way and if they show up, it's really hard to win it all. You don't generally (laughs) see those teams get past the elite eight or the final four. The the final four seems to just be the ceiling on the Cinderella run. Like, right. Like the, the George Mason years ago in the men's tournament, um, Creighton last year fell short of the Elite Eight. Like there's, or in the Elite Eight, there's just, at some point, you're only left with fellow contenders who are national title hopefuls and kind of the luck and the pressure and the whole situation eventually runs out for those Cinderella teams. So the whole field is capable of being one of the final eight teams, maybe even the final four teams standing. But when I talk about contenders, I talk about teams that are legitimately primed right now. To win the whole thing. And of the ones and twos. I think every one of the one seeds. And every one of the two seeds. Is absolutely primed to make that sort of run. And even a couple of the three seeds. The three seeds are where it gets a little risky. You've got teams like Duke. Who play a lot of defense. But not a lot of offense. Um, You've got LSU. Who's just. I don't think anybody truly trusts LSU. Except the Tiger Faithful but they're a dang good team with one of the best players in the country. You've got Ohio state who's lost to a bunch of good teams, but if they decide to play great, can obviously make a run and Notre Dame and boy, I feel for Notre Dame because I think fully healthy, they were going to be in, in that tier of upper crust teams this year, but you've got eight surefire teams that I think can contend for a title this year, which is about as much as you'll ever see. And then the next four after them, I'll have question marks, but are very fun. Um, so that's I don't know if that does anything for you but that's that gives me a lot of excitement for the upcoming tournament. Obviously there's going to be upsets all over the place because after South Carolina there's really not that much of a division uh between the tiers of team and the quality of teams you're going to see in this tournament. So big moment for Caitlin Clark, big moment for Iowa. I just want to go on one small <laughs> I hope this isn't too much of an aside. But there was a little story that came out earlier this week about Caitlin Clark entertaining the idea of exercising two more years in college because of the COVID year, um, rather than making the jump to the WNBA after next season. Obviously everyone's think piece came out after she said that about how the money in the WNBA isn't enough to attract young talent. And is that a problem? And blah, blah, blah. The story that I wish I saw and, and This is what I I don't know if I would necessarily have the gumption to do this, but Caitlin Clark is a baller and maybe she would do this. I I don't I don't know anything about Caitlin Clark's personality. I've never no one on the show has ever talked to her, but I would go into the AD's office in Iowa with Big Ten trophy in hand. And ask what it would take monetarily <laughs> since, since name and likeness is basically open to the floodgates of making sure or players are compensated to stay where they're at. Um, I think there's a real argument for the school going to work to make sure they keep Caitlin Clark another two seasons. Because you've got 19,000 screaming fans at every one of those home games for every day that Caitlin Clark plays in that uniform. And that's worth something to a school. That's worth something to a program. Schools shell out millions of dollars for coaches every year in hopes that they will win a game or two in March with Caitlin Clark at the helm. And I know she's not a one-woman team. There's other people on the team. I like I like them all. I'm just saying she she's such a standout for that program. It might be worth the AD going around and lining up some name and likeness deals to keep Clark around to the tune of a lot of money. Um, because she's worth a lot of money to that school. That this is a school that just paid their football coach seven million dollars in salary, who hasn't won a Big Ten title in twenty years, and who's going to cost the school an additional four million dollars in being racist. Uh, so I don't know if you keep up with college football, but if you're keeping up with that story, there's a there's a settlement going on with the coach for. Creating a a hazardous environment for his African American players and it's going to cost the school a lot of money. The point is schools shell out money for less all the time. You have a star player who's putting this program on the map and might lead to the sort of program that can churn out contending teams year after year. If you play your cards right and that's worth something to you and they should. I, I know, I know schools can't just like cut a check. But they can go to work for her to make sure they keep her around. And I, I think it would be wise to do so. Obviously, I would love for her to play in the WNBA sooner rather than later because I want to see her play with the best of the best. But might not be the dumbest thing in the world for her to stick around and terrorize other college teams in the Big Ten for the next a while. All right. That's my little mini Iowa rant. I hope I kept it short. We move west. Go Portland Pilots. <laughs> I don't think anybody really had this coming. Uh mainly because they have lost six straight games to the number sixteen Gonzaga Zags, the Bulldogs. Um, but they topped Gonzaga 6460 uh just earlier tonight, as of uh as of this recording. This is just a couple hours old. So uh it was a very fun game. It was a game, in fact, of big streaks and and scoring stretches. They Portland actually trailed 13 in the third quarter uh made a pretty good comeback obviously they topped a good Gonzaga team. I am not a Gonzaga fan I'm pretty open about my bias against Gonzaga but this is a really good Gonzaga team they went 28 and 4 over the course of the season they will still be ranked and still be a pretty good seed going into the bracket um but that's a pretty impressive win and auto auto bid for the Portland Pilots so keep your eyes on them uh they did uh, they forced the issue this wasn't a I don't think this was really a choke job by Gonzaga this was just Uh, A good Portland defense. They forced 24 turnovers over the course of the game. That's not like Gonzaga. Um, Any defense that can do that, I I tend to trust on the road. One One of the tough things about the bracket is so many teams are on the road in an environment they're not used to. Defense travels. It's a cliche, but it's true. So go Pilots. Love that for them. Six uh number sixteen Gonzaga, they they take the loss, but they're gonna get in the bracket anyway, so not too much fury, I think, from them when all is said and done. But uh speaking of West Coast teams coming home with trophies that they didn't expect, we also have to talk about the Big Twelve. I'm sorry, the Pac-Twelve, the Pac-Twelve. Um the I think the big story over the weekend was probably Washington State. Um the Pac-12 Tournament final did not feature any of the top four seeds in that tournament. <laughs> they, I don't know if they were all just looking ahead to like next week in in the NCAA tourney or. Or maybe they're all really close, or maybe they're all frauds. I don't know. But Stanford, Utah, all the favorites got knocked out. I'm I'm big on Colorado and really big on UCLA. Um and I know friend of the show and, and also women's basketball enthusiast Jaden Johnson. He's uh shout out to Jaden who actually works in Marquette's uh women's basketball department. Um he's big on UCLA and Seeing Washington State of all teams take them down in the finals, uh, it was a surprise. I I think the Pac-12 is legitimate. I believe in pretty much all of those teams um, to win a game or two in the coming weeks. So I know there's some doubts as to whether Utah has crashed back down to earth after a surprisingly great year. I don't think so. I think they're legit. Their offense is too good to to just faked it for 30 games. There's some doubts about Stanford. Stanford's going to show up when it comes tournament time. Some doubts about Colorado, about Arizona, I get it. I think I would still trust them against a lot, a lot of teams that are going to be in this field. But absolute shout-out to Washington State for securing a bid uh, in just an absolutely brutal tournament. Um, the pac 12 is stacked. So <laughs> uh, I want to make sure I get the quote right for you. Um, never would have thought we would be doing that. That was the tournament MVP, Charlize Liggerwalker. Um, that's usually, usually you ask a tournament MVP, whether they thought they could, they could take down the big dogs and they say, Oh, in the locker room, you know, we're confident. We know we're a good team, but I love the candor. Never, never thought we would be doing that good for them. Um, yeah, just unbelievable run. Um, they beat. Number ten seeded Cal, number two seeded Utah, number three seed Colorado, and the number five seed Bruins. That, I mean, there is no easy path to a Pac twelve tournament championship, but that is a difficult group to run through. Um, It, I think, most concerning. I'm not really concerned about Stanford, although losses to to Utah before the tournament began and then not winning the Pac twelve tournament, it does cast a little bit of shadow on you know, can this be the team that beats South Carolina? South Carolina looks like a Goliath right now. And it, it kind of looks like if there's chinks in in the armor for, for Stanford, then they're not gonna be the team to do it. But I still believe in them making a pretty good run in the tournament. Um Utah, as I mentioned, I don't think that their their offense is suddenly gonna be terrible. Um Colorado maybe UCLA maybe. It's a little concerning. I'm not I'm not totally sure what to make of it. But it, uh, it, it marked a lot of firsts. Uh, it was <laughs> it was the first Pac-12 title for any Washington State women's sports team, uh, which I thought was was worth mentioning. This is all thanks to Alexa Filippo's um, ESPN article, by the way. She She's the one who does all the research on this. Um, if you haven't read her stuff, go ahead and do so. Um, she's a great follow on Twitter, too, by the way. Um, but they are now... I mean, they're in, and they're going to be in as a good seed. They're probably going to be a six or seven seed. In the tournament, um, they're going to be in a good position to maybe win a game and keep up. I mean, momentum is really powerful in sports, so you got to be on the lookout for that. That is, I think we expected that sort of insanity from the Big Ten. The the Pac twelve is as strong as we knew it was. I don't think anybody expected to be just completely weird. So, <laughs> so we're really excited to see how that pans out when when it comes time to to throw the bracket together. And I think that's going to be very cool. Um, those are really all of the main stories I wanted to hit. Portland Pilots upset Washington State upset, Iowa dominance. Um, I touched on this earlier, but there is a, a projection out for the number one seeds, and it does not include Iowa, but does include Virginia Tech. I'm not sure. I'm I, I've been pro Virginia Tech for the last several weeks, as I as I know my uh, my co hosts are. I don't know if I'm that pro Virginia Tech. <laughs> uh, it is. I, I do think that there are probably some big 10 teams whose reputations are maybe inflated by playing in a good conference this year. And, and maybe they shock us and fall early. I don't think Iowa was one of them. Uh, there's not a lot of teams that want to play Iowa right now. Um, that's all 20 minutes of content for you. Dancing around the fact that South Carolina has been ranked number one in the country for 37 straight weeks. Um, that's a that's a headline on ESPN that I think a lot of people are just ignoring because all this other stuff is more fun. But the South Carolina machine is working. It's dominant. It's I mean, Don Staley's doing the thing. She she has something figured out there and, and it looks like even after Leo Boston they're gonna continue to be a dominant force in in college basketball. It just it feels like like maybe they won't be making history year after year, but for as long as Coach Daly's there, it feels like they're going to be tough to tangle with. Um, the last team that I do want to touch on, because I know you're all waiting for it, uh, UConn is absolutely back. It's they didn't exactly go anywhere, and I'm hesitant to give them sort of any any sort of underdog or hero narrative. Considering they still have like four All-Americans on their team, but with Ozzy Fudd back and healthy. I mean, undeniable, they're, they're going to enter the league into the, into the tournament probably as a two seed. I can't see them dropping to a three, and I can't see them being promoted to a one. So they're going to get in as a two seed, and you know what? I bet the majority of brackets will have them in the final four anyway, and mine probably will too. They're just a dang good team. Um, I thought Villanova played them tough in the first half of the, the title game the other day. Um, but they just, they're, they're so good defensively. I, I feel like Geno Smith, or Geno Smith, he's a quarterback. Um, coach Geno Ariama. He, I feel like he coaches this team almost from a, like a seated position three quarters of the time until it's time to win a championship. And then he actually gets up and gets involved, but they just, they know they move the ball so well, they know where they need to be on the court. They play good defense. They rebound. Well, they just do all the things you have to do in order to win in tough situations and on the road. Um, And I think Ozzy Fudd is just uh, behind Boston and Clark. She's probably the player that we should spend more time talking about um, because she's, likely to be someone in the league someday and that's kind of what our show's all about so those those are really interesting teams I I think it's probably the most interested I've been in UConn in a long time just because they have shown a little bit of struggle (laughs) and I know in the mid 2000s when they were making all their deep you know consecutive championship runs and they would never lose a game. It just felt like they didn't have any adversity and didn't make them very interesting. Now they absolutely have adversity and they're still I mean they churned out a lot of wins this year as a very injured banged up group and now they're getting healthy at the right time and that's absolutely the (laughs) the collection of factors that you want if you're a UConn fan. Uh, Didn't talk a lot about Indiana today. I'm excited to see how far they go uh, mentioned Notre Dame at the very top of the show. They are getting injured at the wrong time. They're, they're kind of the reverse Yukon where they just had a really special year and a really good group. But if they don't have all their, all their ducks in a row, it it just doesn't feel like it's going to happen for them. Uh, the Olivia miles knee injury. It's not great. (laughs) It never is. The non-contact stuff is always really freaky. Um, you gotta believe. Even getting in, let's see, what did I say earlier? Are they in as a three seed potentially. Again, this is all projection, so I don't know how much you want to take this as gospel. But um, yeah, Notre Dame and Ohio State as three seeds, those feel very shaky. Um, you'll probably take them in the first round because they're going to play against teams that you've never heard of or watched all year. But beyond that, it's it's hard it's hard to trust them. Um they got beat so bad. By the way, I I don't know if I mentioned this. the reason that I'm really down on them is they got beat so bad. They they were ranked number 10 in the nation. Louisville beat them 64-38. They just had no offense. Um Yeah, they they scored in single digits the first three quarters of the game until it was basically out of reach. They just were never in the game in the the conference finals against Louisville. Um plus Louisville's a pretty good team in their own right, but yeah. They didn't shoot well. They shot 31% from the floor. They they turned the ball over 22 times. They just they weren't themselves. They weren't a very good team. Uh and I this is the time of year where if if that's how you're playing it's very hard to turn it around come tournament time. So uh all right. That's enough of me battling solo, I think, for one night. Thank you for sitting with me through all of this as I've kind of ironed out some of my thoughts uh, for the coming week. I know when we actually get the physical bracket in our hands, we will go over the, all this again and talk about matchups that we like, matchups that we don't like. But I know that a lot of our listeners don't have time to watch every single game or keep up with all the different conferences. And we just wanted to give you an update on kind of the movers and shakers that's, uh, that you want to know about going into the bracket so that you're you're informed when it comes time to get everything absolutely wrong, which I'm sure I will, as I do every year. So um, <laughs> we really need to get Jason on one of these episodes. I think he's pretty much crushed our, our bracket pool every year we've done the show. We need to get him on and learn some of his secrets. So... Uh, we'll keep that in mind as we move forward. Thank you so much for listening. Again, if you haven't yet left a five-star review, please do so on whatever platform you use to listen to our show. It really helps whatever algorithm is at play, uh, display us to new, to new folks and get our message out there. We just we love being a part of that. We also love just reading them and feeling warm fuzzies. We do have a recent five-star review that we need to read on air, but I'm not going to do it tonight because I'm on my own. It's more of a group activity, but we see you. We will, we will get to it. I promise. Anyway, that's enough, uh, throat clearing for one night. For WNBA Nation, I am Logan Jones, and we got you next time.